Welcome to another podcast from the School of Economics and Finance at Queen Mary University. My name is Ashley Arnold and today as part of our series talking to the school's alumni community, we welcome Eduardo Palumbo, triple alum. Eduardo, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. And I think again for those listening in, um, we are in May 2020. We're still in lockdown. So we are just again via zoom so if you do hear any interruptions or any background noise that is because we are doing it in the way that everybody else meetings and things like this now so Eduardo let's jump straight in um I'm reasonably new to the school you definitely are not you're a triple alum so tell us about your journey from <laughs> so tell us about your journey from the very beginning. Um, why did you choose Queen Mary and what led you to staying with the school? Um, and then we can explore what you're doing now. So um, when I was uh, A-level, so I did my high school in, even though I'm Italian, I did my high school in the UK, in Yorkshire, in Leeds. And when I was choosing um, my major so you know my subjects to do in at university I really wanted to focus on politics and economics and uh, at the time politics and economics was actually not offered by many universities a lot of them do PPE so philosophy politics and economics but straight politics and economics uh, was done by quite a few uh, not many uh, universities Queen Mary was one of them. And actually what really attracted me was uh, the level at which it performed on both subjects. Usually you have universities that are good at one or the other subject because they are different, especially in terms of research. But Queen Mary managed to have very high scores for both the politics school, which is absolutely outstanding. And... uh, uh, Seth as so the School of Economics and Finance, and that's what convinced me to uh, to go to Queen Mary, as well as the fact the attraction of London. I mean, uh, it is absolutely amazing to be able to be a student in London. The opportunities you get uh, because you're in London, uh, you you wouldn't otherwise uh, elsewhere. So I think the location was uh, one of the reasons why I chose. Queen Mary, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to say that I was completely right because uh, the teaching quality I uh, enjoyed at Queen Mary, especially from the uh, School of Economics and Finance and uh, from politics, has been absolutely outstanding. And what has made it outstanding for you then? Because again, you know, you've just completed your PhD again, congratulations again, and you're going on to what looks like a a stellar career um, at at Deloitte. So, you know, why would you stay on uh, at Queen Mary? I mean, what is it, what advantages then in in when you you called it outstanding that differentiates maybe from some of the other universities? I think we can be transparent about that. I think every school is, has unique, you know, qualities about it. What, what kept you there? So um, I think one of the reasons I stayed there was in, can be explained in one example. Um, it was in my first year, I was doing macroeconomics and I asked a question to the teaching assistant. Uh, we got into a, you know, a, a debate on the effects. I think it was on the savings rate anyway. 
the details are not important. And he referred me to the lecture to speak some more, to, 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 to ask further questions because it was outside of the scope of the lesson, to be fair. And I was absolutely, uh, I, I was scared, I'm going to be honest, because as a first year student, you go to, you know, the, the, the professor, a uh, lecturer, and at the time it's, uh, it was uh, Giulio Fella. So he's still a, uh, a member of uh, the faculty and uh, it is one of those members that have actually seen me through from undergraduates to the PhD level. And I remember going in there and the way he was actually calmly explaining to me the, the differences, the things that I was on to write, the things that I got slightly wrong, but he did it in a very calmly and patient manner that, you know, broke the barrier between staff, uh, so the, the faculty and the student. And since then, I never saw Queen Mary and the School of Economics and Finance as having that huge dividing line that you may sometimes perceive uh, universities between the students and the members of faculties. So I was very much involved with speaking to them both on an academic level or, uh, or a liaison level. Uh, in fact, I've been part of uh, the student union representative, I've been uh, a um, representative of my cohort uh, at MSc and uh, uh, PhD level. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I, I felt very, very comfortable and at home once I broke that barrier. So any advice I can give to students who want to join Queen Mary's, do not be afraid like I was to, to, to go meet a professor, to, to have a problem laid out, explained, solved, because the warmth you get there, I, I struggle to see it anywhere else. And it actually makes you a better student because it doesn't uh, give, it doesn't limit your uh, learning potentials once you're, you're able to be confident, you're able to express yourself in an academic manner and in a personal manner to, to, to a professor. And that's so wonderful to hear because time and time again, you know, I'm this, what's this, what's this, my third month at the school. And time and time again, I hear the same thing about how faculty are open, are welcoming, are supportive, are helping. And I think, you know, uh, having worked in other organizations, that is phenomenal to hear the sort of support and the level of support that, that, that you get. So, so where do you fit in to this? You've got your PhD now. You're still very much involved with Queen Mary, but you have got a career which we'll explore uh, and, and the role that you're moving on to. So, so what do you do? What's your role in the school at the moment that, that you, what role do you take in terms of supporting students, should I say? So what's really nice about the PhD at Queen Mary is that it automatically, so when I joined it was, um, it wasn't compulsory, but now it actually is compulsory to teach at, an, at least at an undergraduate level. And that was a big step, uh, to be fair, you know, as first year, well, you are, uh, yeah, first year PhD student, you know, you don't necessarily feel comfortable teaching because you've never done it before. But what's great is the support that you've given uh, by the staff, and I mean the staff in general, both the academic staff and the admin staff, because honestly, without the admin staff, it'd be <laughs> it, it would be such a mess to teach because 
there's so many complications between room booking, attendances, there's uh, computers, uh, you know, personal problems that uh, some students may have. So that made it a lot easier to go into it. So obviously in terms of supporting the students, that has been my main focus has been teaching. And I've got to say I've loved it and I will definitely miss it because it's, just, it's such an experience to actually share a passion with what at first uh, are strangers to you and then throughout the, the term become more and more familiar. So, and, and to teach your passion, it's, it's a privilege, it really is. And uh, there's nothing better than, you know, a student coming up to you, asking more questions, because it means that you've inspired something, you've managed to, uh, you know, communicate something that it goes beyond, uh, you know, a, a normal chat. Uh, so that's, uh, teaching has been quite essential. I've also been involved in terms of, uh, representing my cohort, for example, and I've taken the view, uh, even though I've done it for uh, only two years at the PhD level, uh, I always try to do, uh, do everything, raise all the questions that I could in order to provide a better environment for the next generation. And in fact, I think because our uh, our type of PhD was, uh, we were the first cohort in the new regime, as you say. Uh, so it was um, a regime that entailed the one years of masters and then four or five years of research. And in that, uh, obviously like any things that you try for the first time, there are some difficulties that you need to iron out. But uh, it, was, it was really nice to work uh, with the, the again, the staff in the pro sense, both the academic and the uh, admin staff to help the next cohort face uh, not a perfect environment by any chance, but a better environment because uh, these types of programs takes years and years to, um, to develop. And the benefit that now people have is that they've got a pretty well-oiled program to come to. So if they are looking to join the Quimeria at a master level or at a BSc level, what's really nice is that you've, you've got actually, uh, if you want, a good ac academic route through Quimeria uh, that uh, wasn't necessarily there before, but it clearly is now. And what's really nice is that now you try to keep an eye on students when you're teaching that have the capabilities and abilities and the willingness to be the next world researchers. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's another really strong uh, quality of Queen Mary, especially as a Russell Group University. Um, but, but we are going to have to let you go because you are off to delight. That's correct, isn't it? That is correct. Yeah, so tell, tell us more because we will have people who want to go on to do a postgraduate, but then a career. Uh, in this sort of particular field is very important to them. So, so how did you make that step into getting a role for, you know, one of the big four or five? Yeah, I mean, honestly, what, what's really nice is that sometimes you don't appreciate it when you're, when you're at Queen Mary, but when you start interviewing outside, uh, and my job search has been mainly focused in London, 
but everyone knew Queen Mary or someone from Queen Mary. Mm. And that type of connection, that type of network, gives you a little bit of a leg up. And it also gives you, even when you're stuck maybe in an interview answering a tough question, it gives you a little bit more confidence that, you know, the interviewer believes in you. So, and it, most of all, it sends a signal that you're coming from a very prestigious university. And in terms of economics, you know, you're uh, up there with the tops in, uh, in London. So, and, 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 the, and, and the top university in London uh, on economics are the top in the world. So that's, you know, this is the, the, the level that we're at and uh, it's such a privilege. So it, it does, even though you may find it, you know, a little bit tough at times because obviously studying is tough. It's not, it's no easy going, but it's enjoyable to reap the rewards, especially when you go into an interview and people say, oh, you come from Queen Mary, you know, that's prestigious university. So it definitely helps. It, it doesn't hinder at all. Um, uh, going into the private sector for me was a, a, a little bit, um, not scary, but different because obviously I've gone from a bachelor straight to a PhD. Obviously I've, I had some work experience in the private sector. Uh, before, but not too much, not with uh, uh, an intention to stay. My, my, my goal was more or less to, to stay in academia or in academic related settings. But uh, I've got to say, the, the transition was just made so easy by Queen Mary in itself. Uh, as soon as I communicated my willingness to go to the private sector, I've been uh, put in touch with people from the career service uh, from the SEF that have helped me throughout. And, you know, obviously, even little things like writing a CV, an academic CV is completely different from a professional CV. And I could well write an academic CV, but I, I was pretty much useless at a, at a professional CV because obviously you need to highlight how your research mm. can, uh, can impact uh, the, the real world, the, 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 the private world. And so that was made so easy by the amazing people at uh, the career service and at SEF, but also by the amount of resources I just had online, even on just looking through QM Plus, that was just amazing. There was so many uh, uh, advice that I could uh, use. It was uh, fantastic. And then I got, uh, so I, I applied through a standard route with uh, Deloitte. <clears throat> And uh, although the process was not uh, fast, it was, uh, it was enjoyable, uh, it was tough, um, but it was extremely rewarding and uh, it is safe to say I couldn't have done it without Queen Mary. Uh, fantastic story because I think it leads on to a couple more questions for me which is you've got people who are looking to come and study at Queen Mary so it's you know what advice should we be giving to them in terms of you know choosing a program and, and what should they be doing when they're at Queen Mary and then you've got people who are finishing their degrees you know what should they be doing so let's start with the first um, sort of group of people who, who we hope are listening um, they're looking to study at the school um, they've chosen their degree but what else should they be thinking of or should they be doing while they're here that maybe they haven't thought of uh, just just in terms of planning getting ready for that career when they finish I think university is an amazing opportunity that you rarely get and I'm gonna miss it for sure because you've got time to think and to think a lot and the time 
I would use most would be to think about what you're really interested in economics. Because that will give you a hint to what you're naturally inclined to, because it may not be obvious at first, it might take some time to really discover what you are, what you enjoy doing. Um, because some people enjoy doing something that they're very passionate from, other people enjoy doing something they're very good at, for example. So you, you need to really think hard and long about what strands of economics you have, because obviously economics is a very wide field and you can get lost. And thinking about what you want to specialize in without losing the interest in other, of economics in the whole subject is very key, because that will then also tell you what type of career you might be more inclined to, um, whether you should be thinking about uh, further academic studies and or what type of sectors you're more inclined to. So, you know, after economics, you can do anything from investment banking, consultancy, the think tanks, government. I mean, it's very, very open. Uh, or, you know, you can go into data analytics, which is a huge sector at the moment. But the beauty of economics is that it stretches so far as a subject that it touches uh, almost all those sectors. And, and that's a really solid answer. So thank you for that. And, and you touched on a point about staying on for academic studies. You know, when would be the right time to do that? Um, you know, again, financially, you know, there are always constraints. But why would somebody wish to stay on and continue their studies in, uh, or especially with the school? So obviously, I, I could give you a very, uh, I'll start with a very, uh, economy, question, <laughs> yeah, very economist answer. <laughs> so usually, you, when you've studied economics, you're always thinking about the opportunity cost of actions. And uh, because it's an investment, you've got to treat education as an investment because it is, it's, uh, you know, it's investment into your personal human capital. Uh, you want to do it when it's least costly. Uh, now, obviously, there are fees and, you know, they are expensive because they are because obviously universities have to hire the best uh, professors and give you the best resources and, and etc. But one big uh, opportunity cost is obviously going into uh, the job market. Now, uh, unfortunately, what we've seen with the current situation or with COVID-19, uh, hiring has been completely frozen, there are layoffs in all sectors. Uh, obviously, certain sectors are more affected than others, but it seems to be uh, going across the board. And, you know, when you've, you've got a very low opportunity of finding a job, I think that's the best time to go into education because it's the least cost time. You're, you know, you don't have the opportunity cost of you know, of a high well-paid job because it's very hard to find one. And um, right now, for example, you know, the best option is to, you know, invest in yourself and mm -hmm. um, take some time, uh, work hard, because when jobs reopen, hopefully in a year's time, 18 months time, you'll be ready with an extra degree if you're doing a master's and you'll be ahead of the competition. Uh, you know, you'll have a higher bargaining power, you'll be looking at better jobs, you'll be looking at more interesting jobs. And also, and it'll give you time, uh, a year is not a small amount of time, 
to actually understand what you want to do. That's a great response. Uh, so thank you for that, because I think, you know, that a lot of people are asking those questions and, and you know, postgraduate study at, at the school um, have some really good programs. If we move things sort of to the side uh, and we sort of delve a little bit into your sort of um, student life then, I mean, just for the last few questions, what did you get up to that you would recommend others um, should sort of do? You mentioned the student union. There are some amazing societies across the university. What, what sort of things can people get involved in? I know there are some societies from the school, but there are some wider activities that go on. Oh, I mean, uh, honestly, sometimes it felt a little bit um, strange because there was maybe too much to do it. <laughs> and it, it, this is the point. The, the societies are not necessarily an end in itself. They're, they're, they're a goal to create a better community, uh, to share a, pas a shared passion that you have uh, with other people that you may not have necessarily have met if it wasn't for that society. So uh, I think that's a very important side of universities that you manage to branch out, not just and stay in the School of Economics, as great as it is, but to branch out and, and understand that, you know, there's, I believe, more than 16,000 students at any one uh, given time at Queen Mary. So you know, it's, it's a huge university with a lot of people and you, you can meet some fascinating people. So what did I do? So uh, at undergrad, I was involved um, irregularly, I've got to say, with the D debate society at the time. Uh, that was uh, mainly through politics uh, students, but it, it cut across a whole bunch of uh, subjects. And, you know, that was absolutely fantastic. I, there was the Italian Society, of course, and, uh, you know, the, the main reason is that, you know, we usually gathered at someone's apartment and just cooked food. So that was <laughs> I like that society. a great reason to join. It didn't need any more explanations from that side of, uh, from, from that point of view. Um, and then I got involved with the student union, obviously, and the student union, it was a real experience because you start to understand how a university works. And I was really fascinated by that. It goes beyond the day-to-day -day running. You know, the beautiful thing of a student union is that it's got a budget and it needs students to run it efficiently, but also need to take decision on how to spend the budget. And these decisions are not exactly straightforward or trivial. So they take uh, people with imagination, it takes people with, uh, you know, a certain knowledge to understand and to propose, because at the end of the day, you have to be elected, uh, you know, to put your point across and your vision of how you see the student uh, union going forward. And I can tell you that it gives you a lot of uh, transferable skills in terms of uh, high critical thinking, in terms of presentation, in terms of in terms of uh, how you relate uh, to other people. And obviously it takes a lot of uh, persuading skills that you can fine tune using uh, the student union through that way. Um, there are a lot of clubs that I wish I got involved with, I've got to be honest. Um, there's the investment club at CEF. Um, I think I was uh, a little bit too much concentrating on the 
uh, on my studies, uh, especially at the master level. But I think that would have been a really good experience because I've heard um, colleagues who've been uh, involved with the investment club. It's, it's really quite fun and it, and, it, and it gives you something on your curriculum that, you know, it does weigh and, pe and people do look up for it, you know. It's quite, it's quite a novel experience and it, and it puts a little bit of practice into the theory that you get taught uh, at Seth. So yeah, there was, uh, there are so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that's great. You know, lots of um, things for prospective students to consider. And, you know, even if you are coming to the end of your degree, you know, why it would be a good idea to, to stay on and opportunities to maybe um, join some of the societies from, from the school itself. I mean, just as a final question then, you know, you've been in the UK for some time now. So those who have yet to visit, uh, we are in lockdown, we appreciate that, but the day will come where we are free again. Um, what's something that people should do in London that you would just definitely recommend if you're coming to study in London, one thing that they must do during their time here? Well, one thing is, is quite tough. <laughs> I know. <laughs> one thing is really, really tough. Um, what, what, what's one I thing? Think, I think I'm going to say two things. Two <laughs> things. There you go, an economist. I can't decide between them. Uh, the first thing, um, I would definitely, definitely recommend going into the Houses of Parliament mm. and uh, paying a little bit extra for a guided talk. It, it was one of the most, it was actually given to me as a present for my birthday. And it was absolutely amazing. The history, the fact that it was, I, I mean, the, UK, the England is the mother of all parliaments. That's where the first parliament was installed. So, you know, we're going back centuries and centuries and looking at the foundations of Western civilization. So I would definitely, even though you may only pass it when you get off uh, uh, Westminster or Westminster Bridge, uh, you look at it and it's beautiful from the outside, I would recommend it because not a lot of people do think to go inside of it. Uh, it is a fascinating place. Uh, the second one is, um, I honestly do cannot think, I mean, Apart from New York, I cannot think of another city in the world with a better theatre scene. The, the shows that the West End has been is amazing. And what's really nice is that, unlike New York, you can still find relatively cheap tickets. I mean, you've got to be a little bit smart about it, but you can see some the best productions, the best actors in the world uh, for relatively cheap. I mean, uh, sometimes I paid less than going to the cinema. Uh, <laughs> so it, it tells you how much uh, of an opportunity that is. And it, it's, it's amazing. And what's really nice about theatre is that, you, although it may sound, or, you know, you may need to be interested in theatre, it's so varied and wide that it's, uh, that it can give you all aspects uh, of life. For example, um, you know, uh, I loved, uh, I went to see two shows that have stuck with me, three actually. One was Enron, uh, which obviously relates to uh, <laughs> economics and, um, and also the, the trilogy of the Lehman Brothers mm -hmm. that relates to economics. And uh, finally, This House at the National Theatre by James Graham, 
uh, that was uh, more of a political uh, piece of uh, theater. But again, you had the best actors <laughs> right in front of you. And uh, I, that's the two things I would recommend. No, and again, wonderful, absolutely fantastic, because I think those people who are listening who have yet to visit London, or even those people who are sort of uh, new to London uh, to go and, and do those things. But Eduardo, you know, we, we've done a webinar quite recently, and I think, you know, the students absolutely loved the responses that you gave them to, to the questions. And, and again, today you've given me a really good 30 minutes of this is what life in Ceph could be for future students or people already studying there and and you're and you are around i mean you're not going to disappear you're part of the <laughs> alumni community um I'm a couple of stops away from queen mary <laughs> fantastic and and so so thank you for today i mean really value your time and those of you who are listening our podcast series um uh on academics alums um and general um uh, student life is available to stream on most podcast um, streaming sites such as Spotify and iTunes. So do follow us, subscribe, comment on us, um, and, and look out for future episodes where we'll be talking to more alums. And I'm sure in due course, once uh, Eduardo settled at Deloitte, we'll come back and uh, revisit some of this conversation. So thank Anytime. you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, having me, Ashley.